Thank you, uh, Pastor Mark. I appreciate the, the encouragement about Prime. <laughs> As I, I mentioned, uh, di different various people have been trying to get me to retire for the last 10 years. Uh, but I don't really have that on the chart. Uh, there is no uh, discharge from this war. Uh, this morning, it's my privilege to be able to be here and speak with you. And I would like for us to turn to the uh, book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, and read just a few verses and have some thoughts from these verses. In Mark, chapter 2, beginning with verse uh, number 1, and again, he, being Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him, for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth, to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Consider with me this morning, the urgent tenor of the Gospel of Mark. This urgency is underlined by his copious use of the word immediately, which he uses some 40 times in this Gospel. It is uh, translated in different ways, straightway at times, forthwith, anon, immediately, by and by, as soon as, shortly. And certainly this underlines for us the urgency of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we listen to our Savior as he says these words in the Gospels. Let us go into the next towns that we may preach there also. And again, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. Once again, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And again, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. So we get this sense of urgent purpose in Mark's gospel. The gospel must first be published among all nations. 
The action in Mark implies urgency. We certainly feel this urgency in the actions of the four men in the passage that we have read. These men were on an urgent message. They had an urgent, they're on an urgent mission, and their mission was to get their friend to Jesus Christ. It was an important mission, one of high priority. These men highly esteemed Jesus Christ, and they knew that if they could get their friend to him, he would be helped. We sit here 2,000 years later. Let us be reminded that we also have an urgent mission, one of utmost urgency, one of unequaled importance. Jesus Christ left us this command, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, and again, go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. This command of our Savior, Jesus Christ, Go and make disciples of all nations is in the imperative mode. It is not, my friends, just a suggestion. It is not just nice advice. It is a command. It is a command of high priority if we truly esteem the Lord Jesus Christ who said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Who also said, why call ye me Lord? Lord, and do not the things which I say. Our mission is a command to us from our Lord. He who is sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And I do not see anywhere that this command has been abrogated. It has not been changed. It has not been canceled or rescinded. Jesus also said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Yes, ours is a mission of high priority. All that we have, brothers and sisters, is nothing comparable to our neighbor's soul, nor to any man's soul. Yet there is so much that is still to be done. When we think of 2,500 million souls in this world that we're told have never once heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, 2.5 billion. And over 6,000 people groups in the world today that are unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Certainly our mission is urgent. It requires that we stay busy about the mission that Christ gave us. Notice that on their mission, these four men that we read about here were encountered with obstacles. Notice that they came to a blocked entrance, a closed door, as we saw in verse 2, where it says there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. Notice that they came face to face with impossibility. In verse 4, they could not come nigh unto him for the press. Take notice. We also may face obstacles as we proceed on our mission. The missionary Paul wrote to his converts in Thessalonica, We brethren endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. We would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. And again he wrote to the Corinthian believers 
a great door and effectual is open unto me and there are many adversaries. As we endeavor to go forward on our mission, we too will often meet with situations that seem to be closed doors. We will face things that seem impossible. There are plenty of things to discourage us, to hinder us. If we go to foreign fields of service, there are numbers of things that seem to be obstacles to us and to our mission. There are governments to deal with, political boundaries to cross. There are religions that are usually hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are language barriers. Now over 7,000 different languages in the world, and only some 2,000 of these even have the Bible or parts of the Bible in them. There are illnesses that often threaten our well-being. But we notice also that these four men overcame the obstacles to their mission. They would not allow themselves to be diverted or delayed. They met the challenge of these obstacles. They removed the roof above Jesus so they could lower their friend on his bed before Jesus Christ. Now it cost them something to do this. They had to climb to the rooftop. They exerted themselves further by removing the roof, risking possible injury and perhaps bruised hands. Uh, the word that Mark uses here, breaking up, is a very emphatic word. It means to dig through, expresses the idea of considerable labor. And I can testify to this because I lived in a house like this for over 40 years and often had to repair the roof. Yet these men dared this risk. They dared to climb. They dared to remove the roof. They dared to incur this expense. These men were prepared to accomplish their purpose at all risk. They must get this sick man in to see Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we too must be prepared to accomplish our mission at all risk. We must be men and women who will not shrink because of difficulty. We must never stop at difficulties. We must be willing to pay whatever the cost to our comfort in order to deliver a soul for whom Christ died. We must be resolved. Very unique thing these men did. Who would have thought of breaking up a roof? May God help us to look for possibilities in the impossible. After all, our God is the God of the impossible. In 1974, my wife Donna and I were in France studying the French language in preparation to go in, uh, to Niger Republic to begin our ministry there. Suddenly, there was an overthrow of the government there in Niger Republic. The new leaders there announced to the world on international radio, 95% of the people in our country are Muslim, and we will maintain this status quo. Not very encouraging to new missionary recruits about to enter that country. But my prayer at that time was, Lord, give us the 5%. Amen. And this morning, by the grace of God, 
I'm glad to say that we have hundreds, yea, some say even thousands of Muslims who are coming to Jesus Christ in Niger Republic. And many of them Muslim priests. We have testified this with our own eyes. And they're testifying to their faith in Christ. This is the Lord's work. And it is marvelous in our eyes. So let us expend our whole strength. Let us ask God to help us to persevere until we succeed. To make us strong and resolute for the task that we have to do. At times the work uh, we have will try our faith. But let us continue forward with God's help. And let us find ways to cross over political boundaries, to open doors of unwilling governments, to tame hostilities. Let us be determined to resolve to pay the price to learn difficult languages. As one has said, foreign languages can and must be learned. Let us remember that with God nothing shall be impossible. He who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not, as though they were. We must pray that God will give us strength not to fail and believe that God will do it. And this brings us to the mission accomplished. Why did these men dare to keep at their mission and persevere despite the difficulties until they succeeded? We read here that Jesus saw their faith. It says here, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus rewarded them because of their faith. And I believe that faith is what kept them determined to accomplish their mission. It motivated their determination. After all, James tells us that faith without works is dead. Missionary service as a mission of faith. We believe God. Faith is based on something. It is based on someone. These men had faith in Jesus Christ. They believed that if they could get their friend to Him, He would be healed. Their determination and resolve was motivated by this faith. God will reward our faith as well, just as He did for these four men who would not be deterred until they had placed their friend before Jesus Christ. This morning, let us ask ourselves some questions. Our faith, do we really believe God? Oh, we say, yes, we do. Ask ourselves the question, do our actions show that we believe Him? Do we really love Jesus Christ? What value do we put on Him? Is He really precious to us? Oh, we sing He is so precious to me. But is really is of what value is He to us? Is His mission to seek and save the lost, is that important to us? Is His mission our mission? Does it mean anything to us that He said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. How much value this morning do we put on God's Word? Do we believe that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? Is God's Word really of value to us? 
valuable enough for us to expend the effort to learn difficult languages so that all can hear. Friend of mine in Niger Republic, missionary friend, Brother Van Veen, from Holland, working in the Fulfuldi language, the Fulani language, and trying to get on the radio. We'd been on the radio for 20 years. And he sent me an email and he said, Brother Edens, he said, uh, this is the prices that, that the radio station quoted to us for running our broadcast in the Fulfuldi language. He said, seems a little expensive to me, just a little high. He said, maybe this is just a stingy Dutchman. What do you think? I wrote Brother Van Veen. I said, Brother Serge, the message you have in the Fulfuldi language, is it worth it? Is it worth it? He wrote me back and said, you got me. Notice with me that God chooses to reward us with a very special surprise at times. And listen again as Jesus said to this paralytic man that was lowered before him from the roof, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What? Your sins be forgiven. Jesus had this wonderful surprise. And he often surprises us. Surely they brought the man to be healed, and the man was healed. But they didn't expect, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Others were shocked and murmured and complained. But Jesus reminds us here, no doubt, that there are things more important than physical health and well-being. The paralytic man was certainly healed, but forgiveness of sins as well. These men received far more than they expected. Brothers and sisters, this is what God has for us today. This is really what this is all about. Forgiveness of sins. Peace with God. Jesus said to his disciples, listen closely. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retained, they are retained. Are you withholding forgiveness from someone? If you're not doing your part to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with all people everywhere, then you are depriving someone of forgiveness. A Chinaman once said to a missionary, you break the eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal, if you do not bring the gospel to my people. We read in the book of Proverbs, withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do so. We know what our mission is. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature unto the uttermost parts of the earth, the jungles, the deserts, wherever man is found. Are we determined to accomplish this? And how are we to accomplish this? Well, Jesus began... And speaking of this great harvest of souls in Matthew chapter 9, as he said, the harvest is plenteous, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. And then he said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers unto his harvest, into his harvest. Do you pray? That's where it began in my life. 
when I was in college. Very often, into the wee hours of the morning, myself and other, other students were, were in the woods on a hillside praying to God and pleading to God for the world. For China at that time, closed doors, it was said. Mongolia, other lands. Do you do that? Let me ask you, did you pray for those young ladies just a few weeks ago that were hiding under a bed trying to call out to a Catholic priest to rescue them from the Islamists that were coming? Did you pray for those young ladies? Have you prayed for Leah, 15-year-old in Nigeria that has been captured by the Boko Haram and they're threatening to kill her? And they told her, you convert to Islam, we'll turn you loose, you could go back home. She said, never have you prayed for her. Where is your vision today, just right here? Or is it to the end? We can all pray, but we must believe. All things are possible to him that believeth. Jesus said to us, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I'll tell you that I was in Niger on a rooftop, 90 degrees. The radio turned to the BBC and I heard people singing the gospel of Jesus Christ on the streets of Mongolia. God heard an answer prayer from 20 years before. Another few weeks later, I heard a street meeting going on the music on the streets of Bulgaria, a communist country. The door shut when we were praying 20 years or more before. We must believe. We must give what we have. Our Savior said it is more blessed to give than receive. But let us give as did the Macedonian believers who were the poorest of the poor. But despite their earthly poverty, God blessed their giving. And their gift was accepted and pleasing to God because uh, the, the Bible tells us that they first gave themselves to the Lord. Remember, God can do more with little than we can do with much. Remember the five barley loaves and the two fish. What were they for so many? Yet in God's hands they fed more than 5,000. And let us do our part in sending others. How shall they preach except they be sent? And encouraging others to go. Will you do your best to encourage those whom God calls to go? And to any parents that may be under the sound of my voice, are you willing to send your son, your daughter, to an Islamic country where he may be kidnapped and killed? I'm reminded of the story of Walter Gowans, who in 1893 determined to go to the Sudan interior. And he made this statement at the time. He said, our success of this enterprise means nothing less than the opening of the Sudan for the gospel. 
Our failure at the most is nothing more than the death of two or three deluded fanatics. But if we fail, it will be our fault through lack of faith. God is faithful. He faileth not. And still even death is not failure. His purposes are accomplished. He uses death as well as life to the furtherance of His cause. After all, is it not worth a venture? Sixty million souls are at stake. Well, Walter went with his friends, Roland Bingham, the other one, and in just a few weeks, Walter died from fever in the Sudan. One of his friends who had had to leave came back to the country and he went to the graveside of Walter and saw some of the Africans that had been there when he died and saw where they had buried him. And he noticed a, a gold ring on one of the lady's finger and he knew that ring belonged to Walter. And he asked that she would give it back to him so he could take it to Walter's mother, which he did in Canada. Walter Gowan's mother said this on hearing of the death of her son. She said, well, Mr. Bingham, I would rather have had Walter to go out to the Sudan and die there all alone than to have him home today disobeying the Lord. Are we willing? I've had many parents to tell me I wouldn't want my children to go to the Sahara Desert. How much do we really love Jesus Christ? Many of us must go ourselves. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Will you go? Will you testify of Jesus Christ? Beginning with those near you. Will you be willing to go wherever God sends you? Jesus said to his disciples, As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. All must be done by faith. Whether we pray, give of our earthly means, send others, or go ourselves, it must all be by faith. We must stay at the task that God has given us to do. With the disciples, we say, Lord, increase our faith, and let us remember that all things are possible to him that believeth. In this Muslim country, to where we went 15 years, and we did have six to confess their faith in 15 years. Our missionary friends, for reasons one or the other, had to leave the field. It was very tempting to give up. Very tempting. But all the obstacles that we saw before us, God, one by one, has removed many of them. Many of them. In 2010, after my wife had had a heart attack, could not go back to the field, and I was walking through the marketplace in our village, our town, in central Niger Republic, greeting people I'd known, and they were telling me, they were asking me, how's your wife? We hear that she's ill, she's sick, and she better. We've been praying for her, and I was shocked. Muslims don't. Do that. They don't say that. My believer friend, Abadu, I mentioned that to him, and he said, David, on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock, this entire marketplace, maybe 1,000 radio sets, 
He said, they're all tuned to the radio broadcast that you broadcast in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, many of these people have come to Jesus Christ. I text a message to my wife because by that time we had cell phones and, and the possibilities of, of uh, text messaging and told her some of the things that we had seen and were hearing. And she said, she sent back a text immediately. She said, thank God we didn't quit. Let me close with reading this. That was said to have been found in the room of a young African who was martyred for his faith. He wrote this, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back. I won't let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable, my mission is clear. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I must go till He comes, give till I drop, preach till everyone knows, work till He stops me, and when he comes for his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me because my banner will have been clear. Do you have that kind of resolve today? With this kind of resolve and with God's help, we can accomplish the task that Jesus Christ has given us. And you, my friend, my individual friend, you can accomplish what God has called you to do. And I know that he has called you to a task, a specific task. And how do I know that? Because there you sit, alive and breathing. And for that reason, I know God has a purpose for you on this earth. God bless you.